do we um, is there's anything cooking uh, in terms of uh, Joe in Athens uh, you know some sort of event not that I've heard of Dave okay. uh, and <clears throat> not that we don't want to celebrate Joe Burrow here in Athens um, via you know a parade or sure. something anything um, but you know we're talking about a young man who is on the media circuit is in high demand and uh, you know he's got his agent and there's layers of that uh, to get to him you know I know that our uh, HR director Ron Lucas who um, has coached at the high school and was one of the assistant coaches and and helped with coaching Joe Burrow back in the day. Well, he ended up going to the Kansas City game and was sitting uh, near Robin and Jimmy Burrow. And, uh, you know, even Robin and Jimmy had indicated that, you know, it's, it's difficult getting uh, – Joe getting time with Joe to have something, have some event here in Athens. But you know, Dave, I suspect that sometime in the not Somewhere too distant the future, way. yeah, yeah, that we'll certainly have some yeah. celebration. And you look at the look at what he has done, um, you know, for our region. You know, you look around and there, are, it's just kind of changed the attitude of a lot of individuals. I can only imagine a lot of high school and uh, middle school kids looking up to Joe Burrow and, you know, I want to be Joe. And, uh, you know, we're not known for producing a whole lot of uh, pro sport athletes um, in our area. But, uh, you know, I think Joe has re-energized a lot of young individuals. You know, heck, for that matter, he's re-energized a whole lot of us. Uh, you saw Uptown last week where Passionworks Studio painted a whole bunch of, of uh, uh orange and black passion works looking um flowers that uh, they called the tiger lily oh. uh that were up and down court street we had a banner across court street that yeah. basically read from bulldog to bengal you know who day go joe and uh, i think a lot of the uptown businesses you know put uh bengals of course. uh dressings window dressings up and it was just a it was pretty special. Uh, it wasn't pretty special. It was amazing. Um, and, you know, when you look at at uh, how many times Joe Burrow, you know, was uh, uh, rushed and, and tackled to the ground and, and he got up every single time. Someone shared with me he was knocked down nine times, got up ten, uh, <laughs> you know, because he, uh, he's just a class act. You know, what more can I say? Well, I think Athens, uh, I, I just have a hunch something uh, will happen here soon to uh, to say thank you, and we're proud of you. All right. Well, let's see here. Um, let's just uh, recap a few things we've talked about over the years. Um, okay, the census. Um, the census has been done. It has been put to the city for their review and comment. Is that now a done deal? At this point, Dave, yes, it's a done deal. Okay. Um, we grew by a grand total of 17 people. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That just makes me funny. Well, it, it does. It, yeah. you know. But the point is we're over 25,000. No, no, no. No. The point is, you know, I think we talked about this before, but it's always, good for, it's always good for a recap that uh, the census count as of um, 2010, the previous Daniel census, was 23,832. And uh, the 2020 Daniel census has us as 23,849. So, uh, and I, again, feel strongly um, in working with our city planner, Paul Logue, he has gone in and looked at things at the census block level, which uh, is basically that. It's these very small tracks um, where the the enumerators go in and count. And we have a couple areas that show through the code office that, you know, it's a multi-unit apartment complex that is typically 85% full. And, you know, uh, full would be around 11 hundred people living there and but when we look at it with the 2010 census it shows up as 47 they mm. counted 47 people there um, another one that houses on average 800 people it showed up in the census block data as zero no one was there well again bear in mind these are multi-unit uh, apartment complexes where a lot of the Ohio University off-campus student body lives and where were they during the year 2020 when the Diennial census was taking place? Who knows? You know, because there was no online instruction. A lot of people were potentially went home, wherever home is. And uh, so we do see, you know, the, we have the possibility to challenge it, Dave. But with challenging it, the way the process works, if you want to have a special, uh, special census, to get a recount, you have to pay for that. The municipality has to pay for that upfront, um, in full, basically, to have the Census Bureau come in and do a recount in your city. Um, there's a city in South Carolina that did this back in 2012, uh, I believe, after the 2010 census, and it cost them uh, almost half a million dollars up front. And I asked the, the mayor of that city, you know, where did you, where'd that money come from? Um, and they said, we ended up taking it from the general fund to pay it forward. Now you have to weigh your return on investment to well, do that. I was going to ask, did he feel uh, after they had done that, that it was worthwhile? She did. Um, she felt that their return on investment was something to the tune of $5 million. Um, okay. So that's substantial. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I did ask, can the American Rescue Plan dollars that we received from the federal government, you know, because of the COVID impacts, COVID-19 impacts, can we use that money to do a special census? And the answer from the federal government is, nope, you, you can't. Um, so we're, we're, I'm still working with the city planner. We're still, you know, trying to figure out, do we ask for a special sense, uh, census in Athens or not. Um, my fear is is that it's going to fall flat because the Census Bureau is going to look at us and go, well, you grew by 17 people, so you didn't show a decrease. Now, there's cities in Athens. Uh, Finley, Ohio, I'll use as an example, 
where their population <clears throat> dropped by, I believe it was, you know, more than 2,000. And uh, there's the University of Finley there. I've spoken with Mayor Mirren of Finley, and she too feels that they had an undercount because of the, the loss of student counts in some of their apartment complexes. Um, I don't know what Mayor Mirren's going to do, um, whether they're going to file for a special census or not, but there is a lot of that conversation still swirling out there. I believe that people have until 2023 to uh, pr request and demonstrate that they had an undercount, but uh, it takes time, and yes. we're still exploring it, Dave. So um, we've got some new council members. And uh, how, how, from your point of view, how are the adjustments being made? Um, they're happening. Uh, adjustments are being made. Yeah, we do have a significant change in uh, city council. We had two individuals, you know, who were incumbent, um, that, but had been appointed in 2021 to city council. So they were fairly new. Um, but they still had time under their belt in terms of process and how what de you know, decorum is in council and sunshine laws and what you can do and what you can't do and all those things. Uh, um, so it's running um, well. And I, I think that, again, there's adjustments that are being made and um, a lot of education going on. So a lot of the new council members are meeting um, the water treatment plant operators or the wastewater treatment plant operator to understand or uh, manager plant managers just to understand you know how the systems work what proprietary funds are because ever hopefully everyone knows you know when you pay your water bill your sewer bill um, and in there is a, a storm fee you know and that's to continually maintain our storm uh, storm sewer system uh, but all of those, your those utility bills are proprietary, and that money goes straight to again, maintaining and strengthening and improving um, the wastewater treatment plant, or the water treatment plant, or the sewer lines that run from your home, or the water lines to your home. Um, which, by the way, probably could to remind people that you know, bear with us that. This season, again, I'm looking over your shoulder, Dave, you know, 60 today, 33 tomorrow, 36, 54, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. When we get into this season, this is when we really start to see water line breaks around the city. Um, uh, just sharing that, uh, you know, your proprietary water bill goes to maintaining that system. Uh, and so uh, we just had a call out the other night out in Oakmont area because an individual texted me and said, you know, should water be bubbling up out of the street? And uh, the answer is typically no. Uh, so the water treatment plant operator, so the street crew went out there and, and repaired a water line break. And, and uh, but like I said, those proprietary funds are going towards that. So educating city council, new city council members on things of that nature and and uh so it's uh it's it's been good so far you well, used to, you served on city council for years to, yeah many yeah, years yeah and council president all that stuff so let me ask you i'm going to turn the table try me <laughs> what 
what was your first year on city council like as you recall or can you think that far back there i was in um, i chaired capital improvements now they don't even have such a committee now but um that was my initial year or two and then let's see what was it after that i can't remember all this stuff it's been a long time ago but um <clears throat> it is uh, it does take a little time to understand the the system and um and to to work within the ways the city works you, you can't just go down to an office and say do something uh, because you're not you're the governmental entity you're not the Department boss. Administration, yeah. yeah. So executive versus legislative. And yeah. um, anyway, but we, we got, I thought, a lot done. That was, uh, oh, shucks, uh, Rick Abel was primarily the mayor during that time, but Sarah Hendricker as well. So was Mayor Hendricker was mayor when you first took office? No, I, let me think here. Was it Rick or I think it was Rick, but I'm not sure. Okay. I, it, you know, that's years ago. Oh, I know. And it gets fuzzy. It's hard for me to think back that, uh, not hard, but it's just. Uh, Don Barrett. Don Barrett was mayor, and then Sarah, I think. So you transcended three mayors. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, um, yeah. So, okay, let's, let's get back on here. Now. Um, you know, there's been, for three years, we've been talking about sewer extension. And it takes in that Radford Road area. And, um, uh, you know, now I see a lot of construction equipment out there and the storage of different uh, uh, big clay pipes and stuff like that. And it seems to me like that's coming right along. Ha is it still underway or is it? done oh no no it's uh, there's eight phases in total i think and what you're seeing right now is phase one through five uh and it may include um phase six in there as well but no it's chugging along okay. and uh, as you just indicated it runs out 50 to uh 19 or uh Radford Road, and then from Radford all the way out to 56 in the vicinity of the country club, mm -hmm. and then from there heads back into the city. Uh, it'll also come down Dairy Lane um, with one of the phases. I can't recall which phase that is, but yeah, no, it's ongoing. Um, I think that the plan, and don't hold me to this, but I think the plan is to have um, all the phases done by 2023 or 2024 so it's chugging along a couple more years yeah okay um we, we've talked about covid from time to time but i want to get uh, your impressions today um covid um okay. there's some discussion about uh, or some what do you want to call it uh, guessing that uh, the mask mandate and some of that stuff is going to be relaxed pretty soon. 
and um, they're talking about at the state level or something like that. Um, is that your understanding? Well, the, at the state level, I believe that it's already been relaxed. You know, in 2020, there was uh, the requirement into 2021, you know, that the the governor had an order in place that you had to wear a mask when entering into a business or a place open to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was rescinded some time ago. The city of Athens still has the face covering ordinance that is, uh, it's still active. It would sunset uh, February 28th of this month, this February 28th. And uh, council is, is, uh, discussing uh, in an ordinance that's gone through, discussing an amendment to have it continue for another three months. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a numbers person and I'm watching the numbers. You know, February or January 24th, our count was uh, positive cases in the county was 3,400 plus. Um, you know, you look at the numbers as of yesterday I believe it was, uh, you know, a, just a little bit more than a thousand, a thousand nine, or something along those, a thousand four. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's a drop of, of, almost two thirds. Well, twenty four hundred. Yeah. Um, so that's a significant drop. Uh, we're seeing that across the the U.S. Um, where the Omicron spiked really quickly and is now dropping uh, at a, an interesting rate, uh, coming down pretty fast. The other thing that we're tracking is the viral load coming out of our four sampling sites here in the city. Viral load is where we have a device, an auto sampler, that uh, pulls 24-hour samples from the, our sewer system. There's one at the Richland Avenue roundabout. There's one over by... Um, in the vicinity of Athens Uncorked, Ciro, we call it the depot station. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a sample site there. We have a sample site near the public library here in Athens. And then we have one at the the, okay. he, the head of the wastewater treatment plant. So what does this do? It's interesting. Um, it's a technology um, where they can look at um, viral load in the sewage. And it gives, uh, based upon... What that viral load looks like, it's, you know, basically DNA um, being shed from an individual um, via, you know, urine into the system, our sewer system. And it gives um, us a window looking ahead four to seven days as to what to expect. Um, So it's kind of a pre-warning, if you will, um, to where if we see and identify a neighborhood to where it is showing a serious spike or increase in that viral load, then we can start to notify that neighborhood, say the south side, and go, you know, there seems to be a, a, a alarmingly high level of viral load, COVID-19 viral load in your sewer system, and we encourage you to take extra caution. You know, interestingly, though, Dave, while we've been tracking it and looking at these numbers, um, we've never seen anything to where we could, you know, kind of declare a an urgent warning to a neighborhood. Um, and of late, we've seen um, a continual 
drop in viral load, COVID-19 viral load in the sewer system. So, you know, just looking at the indicators, um, it looks like things are continually dropping. I know that you're a numbers person, too, and watching those numbers. You've been charting this stuff since, what, March of 2020. Um, Um, Actually, a little earlier than that, but that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) So... So um, city council will bring it up for second reading Monday night. Again, it's a, an amendment to the face covering ordinance. And, ah. um, I am continually urging city council members to reach out to the Athens County, city county health department, uh, Dr. Dick Gaskell, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, Jack Pepper, the administrator at the, the uh, health department and have now, them weigh in as well. Now, these units that you described, four locations, if I heard you right, um, is this unique to Athens, or does Pomeroy have them? And you know what I mean. I, I do. Um, it's it's not unique to Athens. Uh, there are many cities across the state that have the viral load sampling. But, Dave, I don't know how many cities in southeast Ohio have okay. something like this. And I will also say we went ahead and and uh, applied for a grant through, I believe it was through uh, uh, either uh, Development Services Agency, which is now uh, ODOD, uh, Ohio Department of Development, um, we applied for a grant. We got money to purchase the th- three um, additional sampling sites, uh, the apparatus for sampling at three different locations, because initially we had one. We just had the one at the wastewater treatment plant where the we're, uh, at the head of the plant where sewage is coming in. Um, but I felt like, well, we have that, but that doesn't tell us where the hot right. spots are. Um, the university purchased five, so they have five sampling sites across the campus associated with some of the, like, the front four. Uh, there's a sample site down there on South Green at the, near the front four. Um, they've got them in other locations as well. I would say that we're probably one of the few cities in the state of Ohio that has eight sampling sites in our city. Mm. Um, we're certainly the only one, the only city of our size that has that level of uh, uh, granular looks look ahead to see where we have hot spots and things to be aware of. So it's pretty, pretty interesting. I, I, I've read a little bit about these, and you know you have to you have to understand the volume of material passing through it. So, so like if um, how do I want to say you know a car wash, um, if car washes are extremely busy because it's nice day and They've been salty for a while, and uh, you have then a lot more stuff passing through, right? Which then lessens the volume of sample, or you know what I'm trying to say. I do. And um, but but still, they figured it out, so it's kind of cool. It's really cool, and you know your example of the car wash, and I I get where you're <laughs> coming from with that. I, I look at it a little bit different. You know, if you go down to the wastewater treatment plant and talk with the plant manager, she will tell you firsthand that our volumes are are so small during the summer. Mm. 
for obvious reasons. You know, the student body is not there. Um, but then come move in, all of a sudden our volumes um, for the, at the sewer treatment, uh, wastewater treatment plant skyrocket. You know, we have 16,000 people now, uh, you know, more than we did in, say, July. Of course. Yeah. So it, it, you know, and that's a real balancing act. You know, the wastewater treatment plant and water treatment plant, they're fascinating facilities, and they're fascinating in how um, adjustments have to be made during the summer to account for that drop in population and then readjust in the fall when student when our population grows again. Um, and so they're constantly having to shift and monitor where the flows are going at the wastewater treatment plant and uh, water side, you know, as well. It's just a lot less water being consumed during the summer months in comparison to the winter. Let's change um, topics a little bit. Um, you know, years ago, they redid the sidewalks and everything down by the old depot. And um, they, they put in... The, the, so that water would drain from the streets into these um, channels, and those channels could be uh, full of plants and things like yeah. that. Yep. Okay, now they've taken the same concept except enhanced it and put it on Stimson. And I think it's so cool. <laughs> they are cool. And, you know, then there's been the efforts to do some interesting things right on Court Street in West Union. And um, and then there's been the Dora, which is really new. Um, you know, when you look at all of those things, if they were all to be accomplished, and they will be, um, and then you compare it to... Oh, Chillicothe, not not taking pokes at them or Newark or whatever. Um, it's going to make Athens so much more welcoming and friendly and and unique. Now that's my opinion. Is it yours? <laughs> it is mine. <laughs> Uh, it, David, it, it is absolutely mine. And and those uh, bio cells um, that you're kind of referring to that you see on Stimson Avenue that have not been planted, they we will put the plantings in those this this spring. Right. Um, they are the same as the ones you referenced down in front of the depot. You know, to where your the sidewalk has these planters. And the interesting thing about these planters is if you look at them carefully, there are on the uh, side of these biocells that is not facing the street, they're basically facing the sidewalk, there are these kind of cutouts. And those cutouts are for water sheeting off of the sidewalk, mm -hmm. and it runs into the soil and, the, and you know, feeds the plants that are in the, these biocells. And then on the curb side, there are cutouts as well to where water then flows out of these biocells into the gutter and then the gutter into the storm drain and out to the Hawking River. They act as filters. They filter out um, oils and things that shouldn't be going into our storm system and then into the river. 
Um, so they, it's kind of a, an EPA feature, if you will. It's an environmental protection feature. Um, and uh, we, you, you, you did notice, and I think a lot of people have noticed, we've put a significant number, greater number of those on the Stimson Avenue project. So you're going to see plantings in front of Hawking Valley Bank. You're going to sure. see plantings in front of Ambassador Laundry. Uh, mo most of those biocells are on the south side of Stimson. I believe there's a couple that are near China Fortune mm -hmm. um, on the north side. Um, but again, it's uh, they're, it's going to look really nice once we get things going with those plantings in there. The other thing that I've requested is, you know, we've got the Court Street banner hangers on the lamp posts. We have them... Uh, I think back in 2019, maybe it was 18, we included 10 more on the, the Richland Avenue bridge. I thought it'd be nice with uh, the lamp post there to put banner hold, uh, hangers, and that has been a big success. Well, we're going to put banner hangers on Stimson Avenue as well, um, which will be kind of fun to see. Um, it could be more veteran um, banners during Veterans Day season and Memorial Day season, but they could be other events that are going on in the city and put put uh, banners, you know, reflecting some activity, um, you know, something like uh, the Live Healthy Appalachian, the kids' banners that go up, which are always fun to see. Now, the, the Dora thing. Dora. Um, you know, I... I personally think it's really neat. It's uh, it's comfortable. It's it's um, to sit outside um, the entrance of a of um, a pub right. and, and um, sip on um, a coke or a, a beer or whatever and speak to people walking by and I I, I think it's a friendly thing and. Um, we're not the only community that's doing this. No. Um, but um, have you had any feedback negative? I I have not. I've had concern, um, and, and I won't take that as a negative. I've had, you know, a business owner or two, you know, just sharing concern that there would be people leaving Dora Cups, you know, uh, in front of their business oh, litter. or on litter. Correct. Uh, and so to address that, we have put uh, our new trash containers that mm -hmm. we've purchased, you know, in strategic locations to help offset that in particular within the Dora footprint. But, uh, you know, other than that, Dave, no. Um, and I would contend as short a life as Dora had in 2021, uh, I think it went live the tail end of July and lasted through August, um, you know, lasted up until the week before move-in occurred, um, that it was a success. Uh, and I agree with you, you know, for people to be able to enjoy an adult beverage um, while sitting on the courthouse steps or sitting on a bench somewhere like you'd indicated, you know, is going to be a, a positive uh, and will continue. Uh, I know that Chillicothe has had a Dora since, I believe, 2017. Really? Oh, they've had one for for quite some time and they've made some adjustments they've expanded their dora um to to grow it out even further marietta um they had a dora that was put into place last summer 
as well. I think they captured the entire summer. I don't know what their time frame is for having the door alive versus um, shutting it down during different times of the year. Um, but, you know, here's an announcement to make that is pseudo-Dora related. And that is that uh, I just heard from the uh, uh, our Deputy Service Safety Director, Andrew Chickie, that that Ohio Brew Week will be happening this year. Um, and so with Ohio Brew Week going on, and it'll be, I can't remember, I don't know what the dates are. It'll be, you know, mid-July at some mm. point. And it's a nine-day event where microbrewers from across the state are showcasing, you know, their their uh, different brews that they make. Um, you know, I think the Dora will continue to prove itself successful, you know, with Brew Week. And I'm hopeful that as we're crawling out of COVID-19 that uh, we'll see other events this summer. I know that they're planning to have the Athens Arts and Music Fest on West Union, Dave, and it's on that stretch that you and I have spoken about numerous times between Congress and Court Street, uh, where we made some some real nice improvements to that corridor. Um, uh, as I understand it, that will be happening this summer as well. And there's other things that I think will start to happen. Um, the council did take up a slate of street closings, which is a nice way to do things these days. You know, what it used to be is Boogie on the Bricks would come to council and ask for the street closing and the noise ordinance suspension and the vending suspension and all those things that typically go on with a street event. Um, you know, and then Bounty on the Bricks and Ohio Brew Week and the Arts and Music Fest, the cruise-ins. But it was always, you know, coming at council one at a time. And we've changed things to where in January we meet with all event organizers and ask them, are you going to have set event this summer uh, or any time during the year? And, you know, do you need to have the street closed? What are the dates? So on and so forth. And and it's working to where now we take to council one ordinance has all the different listed events and the calendar during the year in which they're asking to have Court Street closed or a portion of Court Street or West Union or whatever. And uh, it, it's a much more streamlined way to do business, you know. So sure. any, anyway, um, I think... We're going to see a level of uh, normalcy up on in the uptown area this summer. And Great. Yeah, right. Okay, so um, let's see here. I live on the Far East side, and there's a group called FINA, Far East Neighborhood Association. Right. Um, once in a while I see something on Facebook about some other part of town, but... Does uh, do other geogra geographical parts of the city have a similar organization as does FINA? Yeah, Dave, and you may remember some of the other neighborhood associations that used to be very active. Um, there was the West Side yep. uh, Neighborhood Association. There is Don't hear about them anymore. There was Anna, um, the Athens North Side uh Neighborhood Association. No, that's one I've never heard of. Anna. Um, there was a Southside Neighborhood Association. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I've been uh, 
in elected office here in Athens since 2012. And I maybe one neighborhood association meeting, and it was, I think, it's just something that council member Jeff Reisner put together um, way back when to kind of have people interested uh, from the south side and things that are going on on the south side have met, but uh, it has not met since. So there's a, there's many that are inactive at this point. I don't know that the west side has met um, within the past year plus. Um, some of that may be COVID-related, obviously, but uh, but I know that uh, that FINA is is very active and well, even I, has a, a flyer. Isn't there a flyer that comes out of FINA and sure. goes to everyone who lives in the Far East regularly neighborhood? Yeah. Um, you know, let me just speak to people listening and say, you know, I highly recommend a neighborhood association. Uh, where you all get together and discuss some of the things that are great and some of the things that could be improved. And um, and then take your concerns as a group to the city. And uh, they'll do their best to respond. Absolutely. There is another active neighborhood group, um, and I have attended a couple of their annual meetings, um, and that is University of States. Oh, yes. Yeah, they... Uh, they continue to be very active. I know my good friend Austin Phillips, um, who is uh, one of the executives for Southeast Ohio Distributing, uh, former Kerr Distributors. Um, he had been the the president or chair of that group. Um, so that's again, I know that that's an active group, expressing interests and concerns about things going on within their neighborhood. So those are. I think that uh, neighborhood associations are important. Absolutely. Well, um, let's see, city council. Um, I'm sure you have all sorts of faults with them, right? <laughs> I have no. <laughs> <laughs> I have no faults with city council. And I have to say, uh, I have, as a council member and and as mayor, I've always had the utmost respect for um, the president of city council, um, council president Chris Nisley. Um, she's been council president for many years. Um, she and I were both at-large candidates, uh, council members, um, in my first term. Uh, and I don't recall whether it was during the first term, my first term, or second term, that uh, she became president of city council and uh, you know it's uh, she's awesome to work with um, and I think that she also runs city council member yes council meetings extremely well mm-hmm. um, you know and that's kind of it's her chamber um, so it can be tricky it, it can be tricky you know I remember having to um, ask uh, policemen from downstairs to come upstairs uh, during a meeting to just uh, keep order where there were some people that were acting out well that that can happen and i you know dave i have seen that in other sure uh cities and or village councils where yeah things can literally become explosive um you know it's a hot whatever the hot i, I don't know is. if it exists anymore but there's a button under the the desk 
okay. And one time I lost my um, balance on my chair, and my knee kicked it. <laughs> and oh, what well. happened, Dave? Oh, a whole bunch of people uh, showed up very unexpectedly. Yeah. yeah. And we were all surprised. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, let's see here. Um, street lighting. I've heard of, of some comments about street lighting recently. And I think you and I were talking before the show today that uh, years ago we used to have um, sodium vapor, which were, was a white light. And, you know, they were up high in brackets on a pole. And um, then we went to some other type that was supposed to be far more energy efficient. It put out an amber color lamp. And AEP was saying to the city, you can save, you know, thousands of dollars by using this. So we, we made the change, and it was attractive. Then... Um, so recently there's been a uh, concern in some neighborhoods about um, street lighting. And the city has uh, experimented a little bit even in my neighborhood with some uh, fairly short poles with um, um, LED lighting that are solar powered. Right. And um, I think... Um, um, I, I I think there's a little criticism about the way the the way they glow. That they don't follow the street; they just sort of are a big splotch. <laughs> and um, also that if if you have a little higher post, but this is an experiment. It, it is, I and mean, and also the the fact is, you, um. The lines, the electric lines, um, are already cast in the ground unless everybody wants some yards torn up to put in new lines extending to certain places. Um, we need to consider alternatives like that. Yeah. Yeah, to that point, Dave, you know, the, the electric grid um, for the lighting along in, in the FINA uh, area, the Far East neighborhood, it runs east-west, so it runs on Dalton. It runs on um, Jacob. Jacob, um, and that's and so it's running, like I said, east-west. The the blocks, though, you know, Avon and Townsend, your your block, Grand Park, uh, which run north-south. You know, those are the long blocks, and the the power grid doesn't run down those streets, and so you know that's the reason why. Originally, there was just lighting on Jacob and Dalton, uh, Pleasant View. Um, and so I went to a FINA meeting. Gosh, this had to have been back in 2016 or 17. Wow. And uh, maybe a little bit later than that, I don't recall. But one of the comments that came up is the feeling, you know, was safety and going for walks mm. uh, in particular you know, during the winter, wanting to walk around when it's darker early. And uh, so knowing that we, as you just indicated, are we going to chew up the streets um, or put poles down the street to put electric um, running it, uh, you know, along those streets I just indicated, 
or you know, is there another option? And so we received a grant from the Northeast Ohio Public Energy Council. It was eleven thousand dollars, and uh, in thinking about it, and and the money was supposed to go towards efficiency, energy efficiency projects. So we started exploring. You know, are there um, uh, street grade solar lighting out there? And lo and behold, we found a couple companies that um, make freestanding solar streetlights. And so we purchased, I believe it was six initially, uh, to where we got lighting on Townsend, we got lighting on Grand Park on your street, we got lighting on, um, not Avon, uh, but one of the other streets in your neighborhood. And, uh, and then we received a second grant last year from and it was for a lesser amount but we're going to put two more lights on but put them on avon to kind of complete this experiment if you will mm -hmm. um and so i do think that they're helpful for having mid-block light where it didn't exist before so hopefully people who are walking when it's dark do feel that okay well there's lighting on state street lighting on jacobs lighting lighting on on dalton and now there's these freestanding mid-block lights. But, and I certainly understand your concern that they aren't high enough and therefore uh, able to broadcast that light to you know, a, a greater extent. Um, but you know, we can certainly keep our eyes open for companies that produce sure. taller ones. Sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, and, and I know it's not just the east side. There's a number of communities that would like to have a little better lighting. Anyway, um, I sure was proud of those um, oh, the amber lights when I made that big conversion. Yeah, that was you. Yeah, you were involved in that. You know the the um, that was ad a long hoc time ago. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of streets and infrastructure, the uh, ad hoc sidewalk committee had its inaugural meeting yesterday to talk about processes for um, maintaining sidewalks. You know, in the city of Athens, if there's a sidewalk in front of your residence, you're responsible for maintaining that sidewalk. Um, let me just let you know, we have one minute left. Oh, well, I'll, I'll be really quick. Okay. Um, but also, you know, part of the, the task of this ad hoc committee is also to look at are there areas where we should be um, adding new sidewalks i think the most recent sidewalks are the ones the one that runs down east state street that goes all the way to approximately you know, roughly um lows i believe mm -hmm. um and there's other areas where we've added sidewalks so it's great that that committee's meeting and starting to engage and and discuss sidewalks uh pedestrian passageways folks i uh, in these last few seconds please go to the city's website um city of athens ohio and um the, it, it looks to me like you've upgraded your website a little bit in recent months and uh, there's lots of valuable information there and uh, there always has been there's just more now that's right so um steve thanks for coming out Thanks for having me. As and usual, by all means, monthly. if there's something special that comes up that needs to be uh, put out even before our regular meeting, 
do so. Let I me will know. Get it to you, Dave. Absolutely. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The U.S. and NATO allies are on high alert this morning over the possibility Russia could invade Ukraine within days. President Biden addressed reporters outside the White House last hour. Every indication we have is they're prepared to go into Ukraine, attack Ukraine. Secretary of State Blinken will address members of the United Nations Security Council shortly. Correspondent Cammie McCormick. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N. asked that Blinken come address the Security Council about the ongoing crisis. Linda Thomas-Greenfield said this morning, Russia is still moving toward an imminent invasion of Ukraine. She called it a crucial moment. A senior administration official says the Biden administration is ready for whatever Putin decides to do. The point of Blinken's appearance is to make sure the world is ready. Russia expelled the U.S. number two diplomat in Moscow today. The State Department says it is considering its response. A 15-year-old Russian skater who tested positive for doping before the Winter Games began, threw up her arms in disgust as she left the ice in Beijing today. CBS's Steve Futterman. It was high drama inside the arena as Camila Valieva performed her free skate. We were all wondering, would she buckle under the pressure? And in the end, it seems like she did. She fell twice. On a third jump, she had to put her hand on the ice to prevent an additional fall. And she ends up in fourth place. No medal for Camila Valieva. A winter storm is sweeping this nation midsection dumping snow and ice on parts of Kansas and Missouri. CBS meteorologist David Parkinson looks to the east. The main story today is going to be the threat of tornadoes. That's going to be in the Mid-South, particularly in Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee, at Driving. least the western half of Tennessee. Driving a car made in Japan? Lucky you. WWJ's Jeff Gilbert from Detroit. Subaru is the top brand in the rankings that include reliability, safety, and comfort, with Mazda second. Jake Fisher, who heads Consumer Reports' auto testing team, says half of the top brands are mass market. Affordable mainstream models can really do just as well as luxury branded cars. Buick finishing top among domestic brands at number 11. The number of People signing up for first-time unemployment benefits was up just a touch last week. Bank rates Mark Hamrick. The latest seasonally adjusted new jobless claims rising for the first time in four weeks. New claims are up by 23,000 to 248,000. Analysts had been looking for a decline. The numbers are still near historically low levels. The Dow is down.